0: Apologetics is is taking out the weeds, where while evangelism is throwing in the seeds. So <laughs> and, and you basically you're you're planting, you're throwing in the seed. God is given the increase, but you're throwing in the seed. Before you do so, you need to take out the weeds.
1: Remember summer
0: reading lists. This month we're throwing it back with a book list of our own. Father Anthony is interviewing
1: four authors about their books across a variety of topics to see how they support and relate to our mission of bringing an ancient faith to a modern world. This week, he interviewed George Basilios, author of Timeless Truth in Truthless Times, Answers to Tough Questions about God, Christianity, and the Bible. Welcome to the Bringing an Ancient Faith to a Modern World podcast, where you are in for a treat today. My name is Father Anthony, And today I'll be the one asking the questions as I'm joined today by a very special guest and someone um, whose ministry I appreciate more and more every day. But before I introduce our special guest, let me tell you why he's even here. We're doing something fun over the next couple months that we're calling summer reading. Part of bringing an ancient faith to a modern world is understanding more about ourselves, our faith, our church, and the culture that we live in. And I've always found that books are a great way to expand our minds in this way big believer. Any leader must be an avid reader because um, that allows us to be discipled and mentored and learn from people that will never, ever meet. Um, so that's why we're excited during this summer reading um, um, adventure that we're going to take over this, this next couple months. We're going to interview authors who are passionate about different topics and understand how they're fulfilling their own mission through their writing. So today, I am super excited to welcome Mr. George Vassilius to the podcast. Welcome to the show, George. We're happy that you're here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I am honored to be with you and in your presence.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So for those who don't know George, um, first of all, where you been, if you don't know George, it means you haven't read his book, but George is a prominent speaker and lecturer in theology and apologetics with over 20 years of experience in the field. Um, he's got degrees in psychology and philosophy from California State University, uh, Hayward. And he's the author of a book, Timeless Truth and Truthless Time, which is such a great title, George. I love that title. And as I said earlier, um, George is someone whose ministry I truly admire and value. And especially these days, as we see more and more people walking away from God, walking away from the church, for what I believe are often misunderstandings about the true christian faith okay so to start us off george give us a high-level overview of what it means to be an apologist
0: Um, first off thank you father anthony for um giving me this honor to be with you and in your presence i've learned so much from you so this is um quite an honor for me Um, an apologist is someone who engages in the defense of the christian faith simply put Apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, which basically means to defend one's position. So Christian apologetics is defending the Christian faith. It's, um, it's concerned with methods, arguments, which proclaim the truthfulness of the Christian faith. But one important point I want to mention is that apologetics, the intent of it is not to win the arguments, but to win the soul. That is what Christian apologetics is
1: all about. I love that point. Okay, about how the point is to win the soul, not the argument. That, that, that's that's fantastic. Because so often we do focus so much on, you know, the, the 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 material that we're discussing or the argument or being right, and that gets that gets me to my next question, which is: some people who are listening to this would say, "I'm not an apologist. I'm not a theologian. You know, I don't have a background. I." I don't really care to get involved in it because of a lot of the stuff that I see there. So your book, George, um, what would you say to the person out there who, you know, I don't have a background in theology. I'm not an apologist. Um, Is your book something that I, I would understand even? Why should I read your book?
0: Great question. No prerequisites needed whatsoever. This book is, the intent, again, was to write this book in a simplified format so that you can just pick it up and read and comprehend comprehend the how to respond again it's the intent is to equip you with with intellectual ammunition to enable you to respond to the very challenging questions that come our way intellectually scripturally spiritually so i wanted to uh, basically use two flavors or i painted the answers with two you know types of brush a logical brush, a logical flavor, intellectual, philosophical, as well as scriptural and biblical. So you don't need to have a theology background to read the book. Um, it, it's uh, it's far more simplified than uh, than not.
1: Okay. What would you say to the person who says, you know what? I don't have any questions. You know, I was taught Sunday school when I was young. Love God. I pray. I believe. Why do I even need to to consider these questions and and find answers to them?
0: Well, even if you don't have questions yourself, it is inevitable that you will be asked questions. I mean, if you interact with anyone in this world, in the academic world, in the uh, 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 world world of entertainment, and in your profession, you will be asked questions. You will be challenged. So how can I be equipped? equipped intellectually with coherent answers to what i would say to life's existential questions and these are questions that we all struggle with questions like who created god um what's going to happen to those who haven't heard uh, about christianity why would god create people that he he knows beforehand they will perish why did he bother creating them so some some questions are inevitable To come up and to challenge us so you know we need to be equipped again as i said in the book with intellectual rigor and grace in responding to these questions
1: that's an excellent point and i'll tell you something that i that i've seen um, on this topic as well is that you know a a lot of us maybe are our our families of origin grew up in a different time and they grew up in an age where Um, that, you know, faith was something that people did accept and there was a a very strong, like emotional connection to it. Whereas today, you know, we live in a, in a society and in a culture that very much emphasizes the intellect. So to your point is that we need to be able to match that. And we can't just say, no, you know, you should think the way I think, or you should have, you should have grown up the way I grew up, which is just accept it and believe, um, we need to be prepared, as you're saying, is to match the environment around us, which clearly, um, you know, where we're living here in the United States of America, is one where people do discuss and people do. And there is intellectual and people need to be stimulated and believe at this level in order for it to get to this level. And I don't think Absolutely. that's necessarily bad. Um, Absolutely. It's just how Yeah. So with that, um, something that's near and dear to my heart into this into this podcast is the topic of evangelism. What is the connection between apologetics and evangelism, and if if you have you know maybe a story um, sure. that you could share about a connection between the two, how apologetics is a part of evangelism?
0: There is a, there is an overlap, as your reverence know. There is an overlap between apologetics and evangelism. I like to to, to use this analogy. Um, I say that apologetics is is taking out the weeds where. While evangelism is throwing in the seeds, so and you basically you're you're planting, you're throwing in the seed. God is given the increase, but you're throwing in the seed. Before you do so, you need to take out the weeds. So reactively, in apologetics, you respond to questions by removing intellectual and existential barriers. Proactively, you share the message of the gospel. So they both they're they're, they're two sides of the same coin. And um, interesting story I'll share with you. I was given a lecture at a university here in California, and um, a bunch of students after the lecture came up and they said, you know, we, we, don't, we don't believe in, in, in God. We don't believe in Christianity. And here is their, their, uh, their issue, their reason for their uh, unbelief is the problem of evil and suffering. How can a loving God allow all this evil and suffering in this world? We don't believe God exists. So, you know, I tried to, again, mix both apologetics and evangelism, and we're commanded to always be ready to give a defense mm-hmm. with meekness and fear. These are the two qualifiers, with meekness and fear and respect and love. So I said, well, let me ask you a question. Um, how, can you, um, how can you claim that there is an immoral evil in an amoral world? Because on the worldview of atheism, where is the objective moral standard coming from? So you, need, you you can't even diagnose what evil is on an atheistic worldview, let alone provide a solution for evil and suffering. Mm-hmm. On the Christian worldview, I can tell you what evil is and give you a definition and a diagnosis. And more importantly, I can give you a solution Mm -hmm. For what evil and suffering is so you know you you respond apologetically and then you throw in the seeds of well let me share with you the message of the gospel let me share with you the solution for the problem of evil and suffering in this world and that is an existential question that every single human being um, you know struggles with. Mm
1: -hmm. And I love that. I I got to go back to something that you said. Actually, two things that I wrote down right here. But the first thing is I want to go back and highlight that point that as you said. The very beginning, we're caring about the soul, not the argument. Correct. So what what an apologist, do, a true apologist doesn't do is say, when someone says, you know, how can you believe in a God, evil, and suffering? And we don't go back and say, these people have no idea what they're doing. And these people, you know, are, are clearly lost. And these people, you know, and we don't condemn. Okay, that was never Christ's way. It was never St. Paul's way. And the true apologist is, as you said, is not trying to win an argument with those two young men. Okay, and convince the world that they're wrong. It's caring about their soul, you know. And I see that with with Saint Paul in the Book of Acts, when he would go to certain people and the unknown God, he's like, "I agree with you. There's an unknown God. Let's talk about him." He meets people where they are. That to me is exactly the story that you just shared. You met those young men where they are. And then the other thing that I, I wrote this one, and I'm I'm going to take this one for a sermon. I'm I, I'm telling you right now, this is great. That apologetics is taking out the weeds. Evangelism is throwing in the seeds. That is fantastic because you're right we are we're all again it's soul the or the goal is the soul okay right. so what is it going to take and for some people you know different cultures you know we need to focus on 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 like i said that emotional connection but in That's this culture we need to remove the weeds on an intellectual level so that the seeds that we're throwing every sunday every sunday every sunday we're throwing seeds every sunday every monday god is throwing seeds and every tuesday God is throwing seeds, God is throwing seeds. But as you said, the work of an apologist um, is to remove the barriers and the weeds. And I'll add another level to that is, is for those who are listening and say, I'm not in discussions and lectures. If you have children, okay, let me tell you, I got I got two kids in high school. Um, one's going to be in college in a couple of years. And let me tell you, you you better be prepared for this if you're going to have children um, um, that are going to tackle these things. So
0: yeah. um, great answer. I wanted to highlight the fact that it's apologetics is not about flexing your intellectual muscles to prove someone wrong absolutely that is not the case it's the the motive is is nothing other than love mm-hmm. it's because i love you and i love god and i love to to connect you both basically to introduce you to the lord jesus christ and to Connect you both. So if if the drive, if the motive, is not love to the other, then you you know you're doing it. You're doing you know a disservice to Christian Mm -hmm. evangelism. Mm -hmm. So it's it's winning the soul and driven
1: uh, out of love. It reminds me of a quote. I don't know who it is that said it. That said, a true theologian is one who prays. One who prays is a true theologian. So it's it's the same. You know, which again, I, I I think this is such an important topic because. The idea of an apologist and theologian sometimes gets a bad reputation, that they're just people who are just mean-spirited. And I even heard a priest say that one time, that the worst people in the church are the seminarians, you know, to which a seminarian <laughs> was with me said, well, uh, I won't tell you what he said back to the priest, okay, but he had his opinion on the subject. Um, let me ask you this question. From your experience and talking to different people, and I'm sure a lot of feedback you've gotten on the book, what's the toughest what's the toughest topic to tackle these days um, when it comes to apologetics? Hmm.
0: That's a good question. Um, I will have to say to preach exclusivity in an inclusive world. That I would say would be the toughest topic and the most challenging because we do thrive on diversity and, and um you know acceptance and tolerance great qualities great virtues um but again and and the 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 concept here is that diversity is great on earth then it must be equally wonderful in heaven Mm -hmm. in other words heaven must include must be more inclusive than exclusive um, of, of different faiths different religions so we cannot just say that Christianity is the only truth. That is the most challenging thing to preach exclusivity of the truth of the Christian worldview mm-hmm. in a world that thrives on inclusivity and and and, and acceptance. So it, you have to um, you, you have to navigate these rough waters again with intellectual rigor uh, and, and grace to preach how truth by nature is exclusive.
1: Mm-hmm and yeah i mean that that's not an easy one these days because for sure absolutely um, there there's there's people out there who want to paint christianity in an exclusive way as you're saying and and really in in a in a, in a harsh light because of that diversity um, and i remember i i heard a bishop talk about this one time and i don't remember who it was talked about in our iconography there was um uh, an icon of the 24 Priests in heaven. So Christ sitting on his throne with the 24 elders all around him. And they all looked just like Christ. It's basically, you know, in the image, it's a big picture of Christ, and then little, and they all looked like a little Christ. Okay. It looked like it could have been like his younger brother, you know. Um, and someone was saying, you know, why not diversity in there? Why not different ethnicities and why not different races? Um, and on the surface, you're like, Yeah, because heaven is all not nations, all tribes. But then the person, the bishop was saying, no, and an icon. All the attention and all the glory is Christ. And and all of us, not swallowed up, not, not saying it that way, like our individuality is swallowed up in Christ, in this, but in a sense of it's in heaven, it's we're not looking at each other in our differences as much as we are all in our fulfilling that image and likeness of, of, of God. So we reflect his glory and his image, which I thought was so beautiful that here on earth we're so focused on, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. Whereas in heaven, it's not going to be, look at me. It's going to be, look at him, look at him. And we are all little Christ. So, um, yeah. And and a a tough question for sure to navigate because, you know, some people are coming at us with the wrong side. So, yeah, we appreciate it. Okay, let me ask you one more question. Okay, and then I'll give you a chance to tell us a little bit uh, about your book and how we can get it. The question I want to ask you is, in what ways do you think that church communities today... And encourage conversations and questions about these tough issues i'm a priest of a church i get members of the congregation they all are busy they have jobs they have kids what can i do as a priest in my community to encourage these kinds of conversations about these tough issues
0: great question and, and first by doing what your reverence is doing now um uh you, you know it's it's um um increasing the awareness of what is apologetics and the need for apologetics in this uh, increasingly secular world that we live in, um, equipping the, the our youth, our servants, our parents with with this um, intellectual ammunition, as I mentioned, augmenting our Sunday school pr- you know programs and and curriculums to include apologetic themes and topics um, that are relevant uh, to today's um, today's challenges um conferences on apologetics, a weekend conference to to discuss nothing but apologetics and defending the faith and and responding coherently to, to challenging questions, training our you know servants, training our, our parents on how to dialogue with, with their children. And um, one of the the main the main challenge here I share with you, Abuna, is that many of the youth come to me and they say we have questions. But But we can't get intellectually satisfying answers. and And, and here's the problem I see is that w- we can't give faith-based answers to fact-based questions. If I'm asking you a question that has to do with truth, fact, data, you cannot give me a faith-based answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to understand that 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 there is there's a, a need that that needs to be um needs to be addressed I, I must speak to my child's heart but i cannot neglect their mind mm-hmm. so and especially in this day and age so so doing what, what i mentioned um augmenting our sunday school curriculum conferences and apologetics uh equipping and educating and training i think this is it's inevitable in this to do to do this in this day and age if we want to uh maintain and keep and protect our children.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, like you, you took certain words right out of my mouth. One of the things I actually did a series earlier this summer and it was called, I want to know. And it was just basically answering four questions that I think people are asking. And what I said in the beginning of that series is I think a lot of people are leaving God and leaving the church because they're getting bad answers to good questions.
0: Absolutely.
1: And as you said, the questions are valid. And there's nothing wrong with someone asking. And we need to get rid of the mindset of like, no, don't ask. And you should just believe and stop asking questions. Because what I discovered is when you tell someone to stop asking a question, they will. But the reason is because they've already made up their mind on the answer. Absolutely. It's not It's not, It's not. not that they've come to the conclusion that you wanted them. They came to the conclusion that A, you probably don't know either. Or B, you don't even care to figure it out. Okay, right. which either way says, why should I? So, right. This has been great. I'm going to ask you, actually, I thought of another question I want to ask you. Yeah. Right? And before I, uh, before I wrap us up right here, but since I got you, I got to ask you because anytime I meet someone who I uh, respect and learn from, I always ask this question. Tell me one book that you're reading this summer. Okay. And tell us something that uh, maybe you are, have benefited from that uh, we can enjoy. In addition to your book, of course.
0: All right. In addition to the excellent, wonderful book by Reverend Father Anthony Massa, that "Whatever God," which is an excellent book, and I, I, I thank you so very much for writing such a wonderful, practical, and I underline that word "practical" book on 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 spirituality. Um, I have I have two boys, so I have you know all the parenting tips and tricks I can get. Um, I'm reading this book, "Parenting yeah. Towards the Kingdom." um orthodox christian principles of child rearing by uh, dr philip mamalakis and uh, it's a great book for parents that um that's filled with again practical tips and tricks and the other book that i'm reading i know you asked for one but the other book i'm reading by father john mack ascending the heights um a layman's guide to the ladder of divine ascent so these are two books that i'm um I started one and I'm about to finish the other, so I, uh, um, I'm i working on this summer.
1: Okay, good tips for sure. Good tips for sure. Now, okay, let me tell you guys about, okay, George's book is right here. It's called Timeless Truths, Answers to Tough Questions about God and Christianity in the Bible. George, tell us where people can get your book Um, af- after we finish the show.
0: Sure. Sure. The um, at TimelessTruth.org. That's the website of the book, truth one word, .org. And uh, the book is actually translated in Arabic and French. So you can get um, you can get the Arabic copy and uh, you have the English and the French is coming, coming soon.
1: That's great to hear that it's going into different languages. But let me tell you, everyone out there, you need to get a copy of this book. The best thing about it, Okay. In addition to the content, which is great, honestly, you did a great job, George, of really breaking it up, where each chapter is kind of its own question. So you don't don't look at it as a you know 200-page book that you need to sit and start from cover to cover. You can just grab this thing and go straight to the question. Okay, that may be on your mind. Grab it with you, take it on the beach. This is great for discussions. Like I said, if you have teenagers, which you know I got two teenage kids, we have used this in our Sunday school. Some of the topics. So. George, we really, really, really appreciate your time and joining us here. And as I said, personally, I really appreciate your ministry. The more and more that I deal with people, like I said, who are leaving the church, the more and more I think it's it, it's it's really, thanks be to God that we got people like you who are doing what you're doing. So keep up the good work, keep fighting the good fight. And, um, and as I said, hopefully you'll, uh, we are talking before, is that we'd love to get a chance to see you here if you're ever on the East Coast for a visit.
0: God willing, thank you Abuna so much. It's Again, as I said, it's an honor to be in your presence um, and, and God bless your ministry Abuna and thanks once again.
1: Thank you so much, George. And thank you all for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Uh, be sure to join us next time as we continue our summer reading series and we will chat again. Thanks so much for joining us everyone. To listen to previous episodes or access all of our free resources, join the community at stsaministries.org.